Welcome to Living the Bible Together. This is Dr. Troy Shaw, pastor of the Liberty Hill Church, internationally headquartered in Columbus, Ohio, located at 4410 Refugee Road. We worship here online Sundays at 11 a.m. We celebrate communion on the first Sunday of each month. Our Bible study is on Wednesdays at 7 o'clock p.m. For additional information, log on to livingthebibletogether.org. Join us here weekly as we're living the Bible together through education, missions, and ministry. Liberty Hill, living the Bible together through education, missions, and ministry. Good evening, Liberty Hill. Tonight's Bible study will be coming out of 1 Samuel chapter 18, and I'll be teaching from the NI version. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you yet again for another opportunity to come into your presence to study your word. Dear God, it is my prayer that you open every ear to hear and every heart to receive all that it is that you would have for us to receive. And dear God, I will be so careful to give you all the honor, glory and praise because I recognize that it all belongs to you. And so it is in your son Jesus name that I pray this prayer. Amen. First Samuel chapter 18, beginning at verse one. After David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David, and he loved him as himself. From that day, Saul kept David with him and did not let him return home to his family. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and gave it to David along with his tunic and even his sword, his bow and his belt. Whatever mission Saul sent him on, David was so successful that Saul gave him a high rank in the army. This pleased all the troops and Saul's officers as well. When the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine, the women came out from the towns of Israel to meet King Saul and singing and dancing with joyful songs and with timbrels and lyres. As they danced, they sang... Saul has slain his thousand and David his ten thousands. Saul was very angry. This refrain displeased him greatly. They have credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but me with only thousands. What more can he get but the kingdom? And from that time on, Saul kept a close eye on David the next day, an evil spirit from God came forcefully on Saul. He was prophesying in his house while David was playing the lyre, as he usually did. Saul had a spear in his hand, and he hurled it and saying to himself, I'll pin David to the wall. But David eluded him twice. Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with David, but had departed from Saul. So he sent David away from him and gave him command over a thousand men, and David led the troops in their campaigns. In everything he did, he had great success because the Lord was with him. When Saul saw how successful he was, he was afraid of him. But all Israel and Judah loved David because he led them in their campaigns. Saul said to David, here's my older daughter, Mary. I will give her to you in marriage. Only serve me bravely and fight the battles of the Lord. For Saul said to himself, I will not raise a hand against him. Let the Philistines do that. But David said to Saul, 
Who am I and what is my family or my clan in Israel that I should become the the king's son-in-law? So when the time came for Mary, Saul's daughter, to be given to David, she was given in marriage to Adderall of Mahola. Now Saul's daughter, Michael, was in love with David. And when they told Saul about it, he was pleased. I will give her to him, he thought, so that she may be a snare to him and so that the hand of the Philistines may be against him. So Saul said to David, now you have a second opportunity to become my son-in-law. Then Saul ordered his attendants, speak to David privately and say, look, the king likes you and his attendants all love you. Now become his son-in-law. They reported these words to David, but David said, do you think it is a small matter to become the king's son-in-law? I'm only a poor man and little known. When Saul's servants told him what David had said, Saul replied, Say to David, the king wants no other price for the bride than a hundred Philistine foreskins to take revenge on his enemies. Saul's plan was to have David fall by the hands of the Philistines. When the attendants told David these things, he was pleased to become the king's son-in-law. So before the allotted time elapsed, David took his men with him and went out and killed 200 Philistines and brought back their foreskins. They counted out the full number to the king so that David might become the king's son-in-law. Then Saul gave him his daughter Michael in marriage. When Saul realized that the Lord was with David and that his daughter Michael loved David, Saul became still more afraid of him and he remained his enemy the rest of his days. The Philistine commander continued to go out to battle and as often as they did, David met with more success than the rest of Saul's officers and his name became well known. So in the reading. As we examine this evening's text, according to 1 Samuel chapter 18, we will find the various responses to David's success. We will see this internal conflict going on with King Saul, and we will see an example of what it looks like to work in a hostile environment. And so look with me, if you will, at 1 Samuel chapter 18, beginning at verse 1. It is here where David has just finished talking with Saul. Prior to this, David has just been victorious by killing the giant challenge that had came up against Israel. This giant who stood nine feet tall by the name of Goliath, this giant who all the military men and including King Saul was scared of. He had challenged them to send out. uh, He had challenged Israel's military to send an opponent to fight him and whoever would win this fight. The losing side would become subject to the winning side. And so Goliath challenged Israel and all the military men and Saul included was too afraid to fight this giant. David arose, he arose to the challenge. He believed God would deliver this giant into his hand. And so he goes up against this, this giant and he is successful. He is victorious. He wins this battle. He kills this giant by the name of Goliath. And so soon after David returned from killing this Philistine, this giant, Abner took him and brought him before King Saul. 
Um, David still was holding the head of this Philistine in his hand. And Saul is in, in conversation with David. He's asking him whose son you are. And David responds by saying that he is the son of his servant, Jesse of Bethlehem. And so here in verse one, David has just finished talking with Saul. They have just wrapped up. Then it says, Jonathan became one in spirit with David and he loved him as himself. And so perhaps this could be because they were similar. Their character was similar. Jonathan was bold and courageous. David was bold and courageous. David fought the giant that everybody else was scared of and he killed him. Jonathan went up against the Philistine garrison and he was successful. Um, where When Jonathan was successful with that battle, everybody else was afraid. Jonathan was willing to go and attack the Philistine garrison, just like David was willing to attack this Philistine. Also, Jonathan had faith. He believed God would deliver the Philistines into his hand. Same with David. He believed God would deliver this Philistine into his hand. And so Jonathan became one in spirit with David. He loved him as himself. David is this successful warrior now. He has killed this giant. He's a giant slayer. And so from that day, Saul kept David with him and did not let him return to his own family. And previous, as we've seen in previous chapters, David had been in the service of Saul, not serving in the military, but serving in the court. He was brought in as a musician. He was he played the lyre. Um, he was requested to come to play the lyre for Saul in order to calm the tormenting evil spirit that was tormenting Saul. And so he would go in and play for Saul to soothe him. And while he was there, he became well-liked by Saul, so much so that Saul actually put him as one of his armor bearers. But David also, would he wouldn't just serve Saul. He would go between the palace and his father's house because he was still taking care of his father's sheep. So he would service he would serve with Saul in his court and he would also serve his dad by taking care of his sheep and so here he's telling it is telling us in the text that from that day forth after David has killed this giant David I mean Saul kept David with him and did not let him return home because you know he had been successful he had been victorious and so in verse 3 it says and Jonathan made a covenant with David Okay, he was he made this covenant with David because he loved him as himself. And so not only did he make this covenant because he loved him as himself, again, perhaps because they had a lot in common. They both was courageous. They both was bold. They both loved God. They both um, um, had faith. They both believed God seemed like they were similar in character. And so not only did he make a covenant with David, Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and gave it to David along with his tunic, even his sword and his bow and belt. And so in verse five, it says, whatever mission Saul sent him on, David was so successful that Saul gave him a high rank in the army. So David, David's success, it bred, it breed its a promotion. Saul, every mission that Saul sent him on, David was so successful that Saul gave him a high rank in the army. So David's success, one of the responses to David's success was that of a promotion. 
Saul, King Saul promoted him to a high rank in the army. And so this pleased all the troops. It even pleased Saul's officers as well. And so in verse six, it says, when the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistines, these women came out from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul with singing and dancing. This was something that was done anytime that a nation would go out to war and they were successful. They would, when they, the men would come back from war, they would celebrate them. These women would come out with singing and dancing. They would sing these joyful songs. It was a time of celebration for the victory that they had gotten over their enemy. And so they would sing these joyful songs with timbrels and leers. And so as David and them are returning from this fight with the Philistines after they are returning home from war, after they had gotten victory over the Philistines. These women, they dance and this song, they started to sing this song. They said, Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. So these women, they are praising David. His success has breeded some praise. So we saw in the verse, the few verses before that it breeded a promotion. Now we see that it's also bringing a praise. And in the same sense, our success, there's going to be times where our success is going to cause us to be promoted, whether it be on our jobs, where it can be in our church, it can be um, where we're serving in different um, serving in different areas of business, whatever the case may be, when we have been successful in one area, it breeds, uh, it, it gives us an opportunity to become successful in other areas. It opens up opportunities for us to be successful in other areas. But not only that, our success in one area also, it causes others to want to give us praise. They want to praise us for our accomplishments. David is promoted by King Saul, but also he is being praised by these women. They're talking about how he has killed tens of thousands. But hold on. Before we start celebrating here, we see where Saul, Saul is getting very angry at this. He doesn't like this praise that David is getting. He doesn't like this comparison that is being done by these women. This comparison where these women are talking about, you know, Saul, he he slain his thousands and David, his tens of thousands. So this made him very angry. And so this reframe displeased him greatly. And he says to himself, he's as these women are singing this this song, as they are joyful and they're dancing and they're giving this praise. And he's getting praise as well, but his praise isn't as great as David's is. And so he's very angry at this. And so much so that he is very displeased. It displeased him greatly. And he says to himself, they have, cre- they have credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but me with only thousands. What more can he get but my kingdoms? And so here we see this praise that's going on this going on about David's success, not only David's success, but Saul's success, but David's success seems to be a little bit greater in their eyes. And so Saul is very angry. He's angry at this comparison. And so what we can learn here, what what we can draw from this wisdom here is we can't allow, there's going to be times where people are going to praise us. And what we can't do, and sometimes there's going to be times where the praise, we might be praised or even not even, 
let me just back up a little bit. There's going to be times where we're going to be praised and there's going to be times where there's going to be there's going to be a level of praise, but there's also going to be some comparison being made. But we have to be careful. Saul allowed this comparison to get him angry. It caused him to be in his feelings. He was feeling very angry. In fact, he it pleased him greatly. And so just like Saul, we have to be careful. We have to be careful not to become a Saul. When other people are getting praised, their praise is even greater than ours or their or other people are making this comparison between us and someone else. David had no control over what these people were saying about them. This is not something that David was saying about himself. This is something that someone else is is saying about him. But because someone else is saying this about him, it's causing Saul to be very angry. Again, David is not doing this. David is not the one, you know, popping his collar. He's not the one giving himself praise. He's not the one putting himself out on the forefront like, you know, he's done all this and that and he's so amazing. He's not the one promoting himself. He's not the one who is giving himself praise. It is coming from other people. But this does not stop Saul from being angry. He's he's angry at David. He's angry at what these women are saying about David. They're mad. He's mad because of the comparison. He gets angry about how, you know, they're singing this song about and making this comparison like David is better than him or he's he's conquered more. um, He's conquered tens of thousands and he's only conquered thousands because he allowed his emotions to get the best of him from that point on. In verse nine, it says from that time on, Saul kept a close eye on David. David didn't do this. Yes, David was successful, but he was his success had everything to do with Saul. Saul should be celebrating David. He should be happy. Saul wasn't willing to do. David stepped in and did it. And he got the great victory. Israel was able to conquer the Philistines. Not only the Philistines, they was able to even conquer the giant because David rose to the occasion. And so instead of getting mad, instead of being jealous or instead of being mad about how they're making this comparison, you should be happy. You should be grateful to David. But no, he has his eye on him. But why does he have his eye on him? He shouldn't have his eye on David. David has not given him a reason to have his eye on him as if he needs to watch David. This is something that's going on internally with Saul. This is his internal conflict taking place with him. This this has nothing to do with David. It has everything to do with what's going on internally with Saul. And from that time on, Saul kept a close eye on David. So much so where the next day an evil spirit from God came on Saul. He was prophesying in the house while David was playing a lyre as he usually did. Saul had a spear in his hand and hurled it saying to himself, I'll pin David to the wall. So see how this is increasing his unchecked feelings, his unchecked emotions, this anger, this displeasure in David. It's it's increasing. It's, you know, he he went from being angry and greatly displeased. Now he's trying to harm him. He's trying to kill him. He's like, he's saying to himself, he's, I'm going to pin David to the wall. David ain't done nothing to Saul, but helped Saul. He has done nothing to warrant this behavior from Saul. But Saul, his feelings are unchecked. These unchecked emotions, these unchecked negative emotions are growing and growing and growing so much so that now he is hurling a spear at him. David, he's there. He's playing the leer. He's playing the leer to help calm this evil spirit in Saul. But instead of appreciating the gift that David is 
giving him, instead of appreciating this ministry that David is ministering to him, he's trying to kill him because he's angry about what other people are saying about David. He's angry about David's success. And so he takes a, a spear and he hurls it at him saying, I'll pin David to the wall. But David eluded him twice. So this went on two different times. And so one might ask, well, why did, even, why did David even allow it to happen a second time? When he hurled that spear the first time and he eluded him, why did he return? The same question some people can ask us when we're in a situation. Again, now we're seeing David. He's in a hostile work environment. Again, he is in the palace serving Saul. He's playing the leer. He's, he's working. He's doing what he came there, what he was sent there to do. But here, his superior, his manager, if you will, his king is now hurling a spear at him. How many of us have been in these hostile work environments or hostile situations, whether it be at work or at home in a marriage, whether it be in their church, where we're we're trying to minister our gifts, where we're at work and we're ministering our gifts, we're being an asset to the company. But instead of being appreciated, someone's trying to pin us to the wall. One might want to know, well, why did David go back? The same reason why many of us go back. It could be that he, he saw the good in him. He, he wanted to see the good in him. Or it could be his commitment to the service of the king. Maybe he thought the king was just having a bad day that day. The text doesn't tell us why he went back the second time. And so David, he eluded him twice. And so it says in verse 12, Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him. And that the Lord had departed from Saul. And so this behavior of Saul is increasing. So he's, he was angry. He was greatly displeased. Then he's trying to, to harm him. And then David eluded him. He wasn't able to harm him. And so now Saul is afraid of David. Because the, he recognizes that the Lord is with him. And the same is true for us. No matter what they hurl at us, no matter what they do to us, no matter what they say to us, we continue to back, bounce back. We continue to elude the harm because they recognize the God in us. They recognize that God is with us. And so guess what he does next? Since he sees that he can't harm him that way, he decides he'll send David away from him. And so he gave David command over a thousand men. So the very one who was sent to help him, the one who was playing the leer in order to calm the evil spirit that was tormenting him, he's because of his jealousy, because of his anger, because he was displeased with him, he decides to send him away. He, he doesn't want his, his gift anymore. He doesn't, he doesn't want that at this point. So he sends him away from me. He sends him out of his presence. You know, get away from me. And so he sends him away. And he gave him to be command over a thousand men. And David led the troops in their campaign. And so here we see that David doesn't get bothered by that. He doesn't say that he caught an attitude or wondered why was I sent out of the court, you know, out of the king's court. Why am I back in the field? But whatever David was sent to do, he was successful. 
And so David led the troops in their campaigns. And everything he did, it says in verse 14, he had great success. So no matter what Saul did to him, no matter what position he put him in, even in this position where he put him in because he doesn't, he, did, he wanted to send him out of his presence, he still is successful. He still is successful. And so in everything he did, he had great success, great success. And the same is true for us. It doesn't matter what our enemies do to us. It doesn't matter what a manager, a supervisor, and I'm not saying everybody is our, uh, our enemy, but no matter what someone tries to do to you that has a negative effect, no matter what it is, when God's hand is on us, when God is with us, we're going to continue to be successful. Like David, no matter where he found himself, he was successful. Can we be like David and be successful? Or are we going to catch an attitude? David had great success because the Lord was with him. And so Saul peeped this. He saw how successful David was. And so when he saw how successful David was, he was afraid of him. I just don't get why Saul, this person, was helping you, Saul. He was there to help you. But instead of you looking at him and embracing his gift and looking at him as a asset, you looked at him as an enemy. You looked at him as a liability. He's an asset. And so he saw how successful he was and he was afraid of him. But all Israel and Judah loved David because he led them in their campaign. And so as stated before, he, David, when his success brought him a promotion his success brought him praise, but his success also brought him negativity. Saul was angry with him. He was, it brought him, he was displeased with him. It caused him to be in harm's way. Thank God God covered him and he was able to elude Saul when Saul was trying to throw this spear at him. But not only that, people loved him. Israel loved him. Saul may not have loved him. Saul might have been giving him the side eye and looking at him crazy and sending him from this presence. But there were so many other people that loved him. And thank God that, you know, we see here in the text that David wasn't just so focused on the negativity that he was receiving. Israel loved him. Judah loved him. He continues to do his best in everything he did. And oftentimes when we think, when we're looking, when we're faced with persecution or when we're faced with negativity, sometimes we tend to look at that more than we look at the other. One man had a problem with David and that is Saul. But look at all, how many other people loved him. The women loved him. Israel loved him. Judah loved him. They all loved him. So there's times where we're focused on who don't like us, who hating on us, when we need to just shift our focus and look at all the people who are embracing us, who love our gifts, who embrace our gifts. So many people love David, all of Israel and Judah and all the women because they came out singing and dancing and joyful. And so Saul, here he goes with another plan. Verse 17. So Saul said to David, here's my older daughter, Mir. He then he moves from, you know, that he uh, wants to give his daughter in marriage to David, to David. But he wants him to serve him bravely and fight the battles of the Lord because Saul was planning. You would think on the surface, it looks like Saul just, you know, oh, I want to give you my daughter in marriage. But think about this. When before David fought Goliath, the deal was whoever fought this Philistine giant would get 
would marry would be able to marry the kings. The, the, the king would give his daughter in marriage to them. Get that word give and that his family would be exempt from taxes. Those were just a couple of the things that was the incentives for fighting this giant. And so he says here. Saul said to David, here is my daughter, Merib. I will give her to you in marriage. Only serve me bravely and fight the battles of the Lord. Um, for Saul said to himself, himself, I will not raise a hand against him. Let the Philistines do that. So he knew that he wasn't getting nowhere with trying to, you know, kill David. So he was devising this plan that he would, you know, get David to marry his daughter. And then throughout that, somewhere through that marriage, he he decided that he was not going to raise a hand, that he was going to let the Philistines do it. So he's now shifting from him doing stuff to trying to set David up for the Philistines to do it. But David said to Saul, who am I and what is my family or my clan of Israel that I should come to, the, to be the king's son-in-law? So David doesn't even think he's worthy to be the king's son-in-law. And so when the time for when the time came for Merib, Saul's daughter, to be given to David, she was given in marriage to a, um, a drill of Mahola. And so this woman who David, who should have been given to David when he killed that giant, she's now being given to somebody else. Even though David was, you know, saying, who am I? And, you know, who am I? And what is my family? That daughter still was supposed to come. That daughter was supposed to still marry David. That was part of the incentive of fighting the giant. And so she was given to somebody else in marriage. So then Saul's other daughter, Michael, he found out that Michael loved David. And when he found out about it, he thought, you know, she'll be a snare to him. So there was something in his daughter that he saw. The text doesn't tell us what it is that you know, she was capable of doing because, but we do know that he felt like she would be a snare to him, snare to David. And so he wanted to give her to David to marry because he says, you know, I will give her to him. He thought so that she may be a snare to him and so that the hand of the Philistines may be against him. So he's devising this plan. So this increasing hatred and fear and anger of David is just increasing this festering because he he left those negative feelings unchecked he never checked those negative feelings and so they have taken root inside of him and so we must be careful also not to allow these negative emotions to take root because they own when they take root all they do is grow and increase and so now He's plotting a way to get rid of David. He knows he's recognized that he can't do him himself. He was not successful at doing it himself. So now he's trying to plot and set David up. And so Saul said to David, now you have a second. He tells him he has a second opportunity to become a son-in-law. And then um, then Saul sneaky butt orders his attendants to speak privately to David and, and tell him, you know, the king likes you and his attendants and and his attendants and all love you now become his son-in-law. So now he's lying and he's really trying to set David up. And so he's having his t his attendants go to David and pretend and give him this false information saying that the king likes you and all the attendants all love you and now become his son-in-law. So that helps us understand that it's when they brought this information to David, it sound good on the surface, but the motive behind it was impure. And so what this shares with us, this is an indication to us that we need to be careful just because someone is telling you how you're well liked and how someone likes you and, 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 you know, they're giving you all this praise and stuff like that. You got to be careful because that was not the truth. 
the, this conversation that they are having with David, this is a this is false. Saul don't like him. Saul don't like him at all. And he, he doesn't really want him to become his son-in-law. The only reason he wants him to become his son-in-law so he can snare him. He wants to destroy David. So we need to be careful when people come and have these private conversations telling us about somebody else and how they like us and things like that. It's good if it's true. But we have to be careful because there are times when people are sent, people are sending other people to us and they are telling us, they are filling us with lies, telling us lies. And so they repeated all these words that Lion Saul told them to tell David. And so David says, do you think it's a small matter to be small matter to become the king's son-in-law? David knew that becoming the king's son-in-law was an honor. And he knew that it, you know, he knew he didn't feel like he was worthy. Again, he says, I'm only a poor man and little known. And so when Saul's servant told him what David has said, because David is saying, I'm a poor man. I can't, you know, what he's saying here is I'm poor. How am I going to take care of a wife? Let alone take care of how am I going to pay her dowry? And a dowry was something that was paid. I guess it depends on different kingdoms because some kingdoms, when a king would marry off his daughter, he would pay it. The king would be responsible for the dowry. Um, and then in this and in some instances, it will be the other way around. So David would be responsible. His family would be responsible paying the dowry for his the king's daughter. And so David was like, I'm a poor man. And so when Saul's servant told him what David had said, Saul replied, say to David, the king wants no other price for the bride than a hundred Philistine foreskins to take revenge on his enemy. See how he's trying to set him up? So he's setting him up like, OK, I'm a, I want you to marry my daughter. And the only thing you got to pay is is uh, you got to give me 100 Philistine foreskins to take revenge on his enemies. Because so, Saul's plan was to have David fall by the hands of the enemy. He wanted David to be killed by the Philistines. And so the attendants told David these things. David was pleased to do it. He was pleased to become King Saul's son-in-law because he was willing to pay the price it took to become the king's son-in-law. So for the allotted time he left, David took his men. Guess what? He went out. Not only did he kill 1,000, I mean, not only did he take 1,000, um, kill 1,000 men and take their foreskin, he did 2,000. How about that, Saul? And so he brought back 200 Philistine foreskins and he counted out in full before the kings and then Saul didn't have no choice but to let David become his son-in-law. And so David married Michael. And so Saul realized that the Lord was with David and his daughter Michael loved David. And Saul became still more afraid of him and he remained his enemy for the rest of his days. And so in verse 30, the Philistine commanders continued to go out to battle as often as they did. David met them with more successful, even though he was being plotted on, even though he was being hated on, even though he was being tricked or tried to be tricked and lied to. He continued to be successful. David, in fact, David was met with more success than the rest of Saul's officers and his name became well known. Not David didn't go out bragging about himself again. His name became known. It was nothing that David did as far as like trying to promote himself. David just took care of business. He did his job. What this says to us, this lesson, what this lesson brings to us today is we have to be careful 
people are going to make comparisons with us. We have to be careful. And some of those comparisons, we're not going, they're going to be more favorable for the other person, but we can't allow our emotion. We can't get in our feelings and allow our emotions to get the best of us. We need to go ahead and get that corrected. We don't need to continue to allow those emotions to fester. And that's what it did with Saul. It festered. And so, yeah, we may, when somebody is making comparison or when somebody seems to be favoring others over us, it, it can kind of get, we can kind of get a little bit in our feelings. But once, once we start noticing that we're in our feelings, once we start noticing that this anger is arising or jealousy is arising, we need to check those emotions. We need to check those emotions because at the end of the day, that's somebody's opinion. And even if that opinion is correct, let's say that someone is doing a, is more successful or doing a lot better than we are. It's okay. Let them win in that area. There's other areas that we can win in. And so we, like Saul, we don't need to get in our feelings because all it's going to do is going to fester. And it's going to fester and it's going to cause us to, to operate in some things that we don't have no business operating. We are Christians. We are followers of Christ, and so we should be the example. We should set the example. But not only like, like David. David was successful in all that he'd done. No matter what you put him in, whether it was taking care of his father's sheep, whether it's playing the lyre in the palace, whether it's being in the service of Saul as his armor bearer, whatever the case may be, or whether it's giant slain, whatever the case may be, as long as God is with us, we can be successful. Yes, it will breed promotions at times. Yes, there's going to be times where people are going to give us praises, but there also is going to be times where people are going to be mad at us. They're going to be hating on us because of our success. And also, don't, don't get in your feelings when someone doesn't want to embrace your gifts. Because if they're rejecting your gifts, there's always someone else that will embrace your gifts. We're not going to be accepted by everybody. Here, Saul didn't want to accept David. One minute he was accepting him, but then when he saw how successful David is, when he saw how much praises he was getting, then he flipped the script. And so like that, Jesus Christ, he wasn't liked by everyone. He wasn't received by everyone. He was rejected. The more successful he was, the more... The Pharisees and the religious leader, they wanted to kill him. And so here we see David is a foreshadow of Christ. The more successful David was, the more successful Christ was, the more the religious leaders in Christ's time wanted to kill him. The more successful David was, the more Saul wanted to kill him. And so Jesus Christ, he wasn't received by all, but he was received by many but he wasn't received by all. But even though he wasn't received by all, it didn't stop him from going to the cross. He went to the cross of Calvary. He, he went to the cross of Calvary even for those who rejected him. David, Saul, Saul was hurling spears at him, but he still returned to play the leer again. Christ died for those who rejected him. Christ died for those who were trying to kill him. He died on the cross of Calvary for you and for me and for everybody. Those who loved him and those who rejected him. He still died. He died for all of us. 
And then not only did he die, he was buried in a borrowed tomb. And on the third day morning, he rose with all power in his hand and he's seated on the right hand of the father. And one day he's coming back again. He's coming back again. And so that concludes our Bible study for this evening. I pray that you was blessed as I was. Thank you for tuning in. And I pray you have a great rest of the week. This has been another broadcast of Living the Bible Together with Dr. Troy Shaw from the Liberty Hill Church, where we worship virtually on Sundays at 11 a.m. For more information or to contribute to this ministry, please visit us online at livingthebibletogether.org. God bless you and have a great week. Liberty Hill, living the Bible together through education, missions, and ministry.